Hello everyone, it's Saturday, September 30th. Welcome to Pop Goes the Girls, where we, two sisters born a decade apart, take a foray through our respective journeys through pop culture. I'm Daisy Kosh. And I'm Chelsea Davidson. This episode is sponsored by Maltesers. Which... Melt in your mouth, chocolate and Maltesers. I, I love a good Malteser. My, whenever I think of a Malteser though, I think of mom. Oh yeah. She got me hooked I think of mom and then I think of, did you know that Nan and Granda, when they were in England, they used to buy a pack of Maltesers Mm -hmm. and go through a car wash and they'd open them when they went into the car wash and by the time they went through, the bag would be gone. And I find that to be the funniest shit ever. They had to have been doing like a contest. Like how did you eat them that fast? And that is why diabetes runs in our family. How did you eat them that fast, (sighs) you know? Now is the perfect time to tell you all (laughs) that we spoil things during our podcast. So leave now or forever prepare for pop culture spoilers (laughs) as we enter, not the first, but the second, the concluding of our Stephen King Fortnite. Uh, we do love our Stephen. I, I did like the the, the, the yeah. sign, you realize but that I forgot to make the sound. You realize so, we're on a podcast, yes. right? You holding I had a vlog to the moment. I had a vlog moment, okay, where it's like this, they understand. Yeah, nobody you can see you. You did the sound, you. though. I think they get it. We were praying the to the Stephen yeah. King gods. Anyway. Stephen King, still alive, by the way. I um, continue. <laughs> Each week, we talk about (laughs) pop culture artifacts that shaped us and why they're memorable. We also have a fan theory fight club where we argue the merits or detriments of some of the fan theories surrounding interpreting different pop culture items. And I have a doozy this week. And last but not least, we will play a quick round of Twist the Sister. Unfortunately, I am the one doing the twisting this week. Uh, This is a segment where one of us loves something or, or, you know, feels something in the favorable fashion. Uh, and the other one, like, clearly does not. I love that you're already selling that you don't particularly like the thing you have to twist me on. <laughs> you're like, I feel some kind of way. And then offline, we open up to a poll. Well, I guess online, not offline. If they're offline doing it, if they're you're not offline, on our poll. you're going to have a real issue. They're not doing our poll. Yeah, your, <laughs> vote, your vote is not counted. They're playing MASH at home with a piece of paper, Chas. <laughs> they're not doing our poll. We do open it up to a poll on Instagram for you, our lovely listeners, to decide which si- which sister is right. Okay. So, we're going to start off with one of my favorite, uh... This is one of your favorites? It's one of my favorite, more dramatic movies, I think. Um, once again, probably because Sam Rockwell's in it. Don't bury the lead. Get Um, right to it, sister. But I also, when you mentioned this to me, I didn't know this was a Stephen King, uh, adaptation. And having known that now, um, it may have to compete with Stand By Me, um, for the best thing he ever made. Uh, oh... Anyway, long story short, so we will be talking about the Green Mile. When I stand before God and he asks me why did I, did I kill one of his true miracles, what am I going to say? That it was my job. It was my job. You tell God the Father. It was a kindness you done. I know you heard me word. I can feel it on you. But you ought to quit on it now. I want it to be over and done with. I do. I'm tired, boss. Tired of being on the road. Only as a sparrow in the rain. I'm tired of never having me a buddy to be with, to tell me where we's going to, coming from, or why. Mostly I'm tired of people being ugly to each other. I'm tired of all the pain I've 
crisscross between the Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption, and I see, like, they're very They are different. the drama, they're a drama trio, or uh, duo trio, Jesus. They, they are so connected, and yet one is so hyper-realistic, and one is so about magical realism, yeah. that it's, it's fascinating how, how different and how alike they are. Anyway, go ahead, because this is- you you love this movie. I love the ensemble. I you know what's really funny? I didn't own this movie until very recently, and by recently, this is a very much a COVID brain thing. I got the movie in twenty eighteen, um, <laughs> but it feels like it was yesterday. Uh, so this was actually uh, in twelfth grade. I don't know if this is all around the world, but your lads fairs, which you and I both took advantage of because our mental oh. health needed it. Um, <laughs> That's not so, why I took it, but okay. Uh, one of the days, it was basically the last. We were in, like, the last week of high school. Um, so, no one really gives a shit. I've done my exams. We're just... I'm checking in just Coasting. to say that Coasting. I'm there. Um, my grades are set. I'm, I'm good to go. Well, I had a spare one day. And my friends did not. So, I was in the clear. Um, oh, but we just, decided just to skip the whole afternoon. One second before you get to your point. If I had a spare given to me that didn't coincide with at least one friend of mine, I switched all my classes. <laughs> Everything got changed. I don't have to take this. It's a prerequisite for college. Uh, the fuck it is. I have taken a spare with Buddy Boy I didn't over do here. that at all. I, I went, did. I went into spare and it was like searching <coughs> for people I knew. I just went there and I was like, do I know any of you? And I then took, as soon as I did, I was hanging out with them. I took biology, not necessary. I think I made friends in spare. I took biology and it was not necessary for me to take it. Purely because I wanted to take my spare with me friends. With me friends? With me friends. And once I did that... I mean, that just looks good in your transcript. Right now, I took biology unnecessarily. Oh, wait. I didn't. <coughs> you, you had different biology to me, though. You had to do, like, worm, oh, worms and everything when you did biology. Oh, I had to do everything. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, and I, I loved my biology class, but he was really good. My favorite science teacher... We were so off track. My favorite science teacher in school, um, she became the librarian yes. when you were in school. Yes. So very, very so nice woman. That just I loved her as doubled, a librarian. I just doubled down on, not only was she my favorite science teacher, she placed a bet on me. One day I was sick <laughs> from school. She placed a bet with a student. I, I know this is probably highly, highly uh, unprofessional. Unethical. And <laughs> but she placed a $10 bet with a student that I would still get the homework done, even though I was sick. Because I'd been following along the textbook and I sold the pattern. Each day, new chapter... New homework questions, I knew what they would be. And that woman lost $10. She placed a bet against me and and was wrong. And uh, my friend And yet she's was still like, your Please. favorite. She bet against you and she's still your yeah. favorite. Yeah, but she became a librarian, so like, but oh yeah. yes, sister friend. Um, trying to get back on track. Yeah, sorry. Um, what, how, anyway, I had you a spare, spare with my friends. I just with my friends, but we decided just to skip the whole afternoon because I had English and I'd already done the work and our supply was in there and, and she just wanted us to read anyway. So we skipped. An experience we mile first We went to Chelsea. We went and we saw <laughs> Strangers uh, Pray at Night. Really bad. Do you know how bad of a movie that was? 
And this isn't me judging. This was the world. We went, and it was like two Daisy, days after it came. Focus for two days, sake, two days on the Green Mile. Two days after it came out, and we were the only people in the theater. It was so bad. But we went to Walmart, which was right next door. And when we went to Walmart, five bucks in the bin, Green Mile, oh my bought God. that baby. That was a long, long, long foray through the fucking wilderness over a bridge. You talked about a teacher a that tunnel. was a, a science teacher and a librarian. Just because you, you wanted to talk about the library. You graduated. Weirdo. You built a house in the woods, came back, and then went, hey, look. If I'd done that, we'd be talking about that. Green Mile over there. Culture items. Anyway, so love the Green Mile, mostly because of the ensemble. I feel like they had just the right people for all of the roles. Um, Because keep in mind, I I don't know if this is just because I didn't know him very well. I really didn't know Sam Rockwell for much at the time when I saw the Green Mile, because once again, I watched it I gotta say, if you find Sam Rockwell attractive in this, you have some problems. This has got to be the most disgusting. Yeah, he's role awful he's in, in it. He is. He's awful in it. And I don't mean just but, personality. I mean like he's gross. Like he's yeah. snot and his spit. teeth and oh. everything. <laughs> like he, he looks very oh, unattractive. Like I'm starting to gag because of what I know he looks like in real life, I can just sit back and enjoy him being evil because he's such a good actor. Anyway, not the point. Oh yeah. I love the ensemble in it. I love Sam Rockwell. I love uh, Tom Hanks in it. I love. Um, what's his name? Him that played Coffee in it. John Coffee. He died. He had like a heart attack. He was with Almarosa. Yeah. yeah and she like lost name. her mind. Well, he I think was, he's got a triple he barrel name, but I can't remember. Yeah. You, you know what I, I love remember. about this movie more than anything is that it's all about like karmic retribution. Yes. That's literally my notes. Karma, baby, is what yeah. I have here. So, um. Karma ain't just the name of your local stripper. But don't. It's the theme. Okay. Um, so. I also love that the movie itself, like you said, all about that karma. The bad guys get what's coming to them. I think sin is a big part of it, too. Like, I know that's a weird way to put it, but the fact that locusts come out to release the bad is such a biblical reference that yeah. I think that there's more to this So you know a religion. lot more religious and biblical stuff than I do, so you can actually see this reference. I don't think like it's that way at all. Like a sea of locusts. I just, I just see it as him expelling the evil. And, like, you see it as, like, biblical but, because of it being but locust. Evil, but I just yeah. see it as the evil. It could have just as easily been, like, black tar, for all I care. Because, like, that's what it is. It's the evil coming out of him after he is and taking his name is John away. Coffee. Yeah. J.C. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. You don't see You're, any of this. Well, I, I do now, Chelsea. Okay. Anyway. I, I see it. I'm, I'm um, building a fucking fan, the, fan theory as we go. The, the movie... Uh, really does deal with the fact that bad guys get what's, get what's coming to them. There's a guy in it who's a guard. He's a really little bastard. His name is Percy Wetmore, and it couldn't be a better fitting name for him. I know, Wetmore? I know. Yeah. It couldn't be a better fitting name. I didn't know that was his last considering name. Considering at one point he literally pees himself, that little Percy little That's not bitch. what I was thinking about. You anyway, know what I'm thinking about. Uh, his, his name perfectly, uh, you know, encapsulates his potty trouble. Um, and he's just a general asshole. And he thinks because his dad or his thing. uncle is connected. P is a big thing in this this movie. Yeah. And and like anybody who's a fan of Tom Hanks knows that he pees in pretty much everything that he's in. That plays it's, a role in You know how Sam Rockwell dances? Tom Hanks pees. Yeah. Like that's the whole does thing. Does Sam Rockwell dance in this? I don't think he does. He does. Does he? He does. Of course he freaking does. I think there's only one thing he didn't dance in, and for the life of me, I can't remember mm-hmm. what it is now. No, he dances in Moon. 
He does dance in the moon. Okay. It anyway. Neither here nor there. Um, but while there is a big uh, theme of karma and, you know, justice for, you know, dickheads. Uh, so <laughs> Justice for dickheads. At the same time, there are some really tragic deaths in it. And this is a bit of a spoiler because I feel like it's very important to recognize how, how beautiful these characters were and how awful it friggin' is when they die. The, um, what's his name? Uh, that Edward Delacroix who loves the little mouse. Oh my gosh, yes. Him? Oh my god, when they, because the whole, the whole idea for the movie, the Green Mile, when they say you walk the Green Mile, is that these guys guard this prison, and it's all of these guys that death basically row. are on death row, and this is like their last week or two before they're going to be put in the electric chair and killed, so they're, you know, offered a last meal, uh, they can, you know basically sit in a cell day and night and that's that's what they're gonna do because it's their and this final is a, this is another case as well of not guilty yeah um but the uh i'm just gonna call him delacroix because that's how they all refer to him in it there's this i think he's supposed to be a little french guy who used to run a circus or some shit and he has this little mouse and he says oh he's a circus mouse he can do all these tricks and he loves this little mouse that he found in this prison more than anything and friggin' Percy Wetmore, because he's a little asshole, kills this mouse. But say no more. Leave it there. Leave it there. But this mouse but comes. This, this, this is not the it, end. No, it is not the end of, of the, the mouse. circus mouse. It the is not the end of the mouse. Back. And we'll leave it at that. Um, so you like so this when, movie, when, I'm guessing. When he's put on death row and when John Coffey yeah. is, the whole connection as well with John Coffey and Sam Rockwell's character throughout this whole thing is insane to me because when I was watching it for the very first time I really shouldn't have been watching it I was like five or six I should not have been watching it but I did not see it coming the connection between these two people and then as soon as you're told the connection oh my god the ending of the whole thing makes you so upset but also like you're supposed to feel at peace great story I really don't feel at peace I'm just really sad it's a great but it's story. a good kind of sadness like atonement for this, me the good is, kind of sad is how I feel about Green Mile it's a good kind of sad for me this is an artifact but not in the same way Shawshank was my dad was the, the reason why I watched this um, he was like you gotta see this you gotta see this and it was it was fairly new when it came out as well like I don't think I, I saw this much later than it was released anyway not not critical to the story it was the first time i really saw my dad cry at a movie um and i get why he was upset as well i like there's a lot of emotion um and again magical realism plays a big part in this film because um, one person literally has magical powers like yes. no joke and we're not gonna go into that but yeah there's mad there, there there's some magic in them hills there yeah um yeah, anyway, great film. Um, King Strikes Again. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay, I have some I have some work to do. Right, what am I so doing? So, we are um, now, for our fan theory, we will be talking about... One of your favorite films. Uh-huh. Stand By Me. I know the back hollow road. It comes to a dead end by the Royal River. The train tracks are right there. Me and my dad used to fish for coffees out there. Jesus Christ, man. If they would have known you were under there, they would have killed you. Could he have gotten all the way from Chamberlain to Harlem? That's really far. Sure. He must have started walking on the train tracks and just followed them the whole way. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then after dark, train must have come along and I'll smack -o. Yeah. Hey. Hey, you guys. I bet you anything that if we find him, we'll get our pictures in the paper. 
Yeah, yeah, we can even be on TV. Sure, we'll be heroes. Oh, darling, darling, stand. Sorry, I really like the song. Um, Everyone does, Chelsea. Yeah, I like the song more. more okay, of course everyone. you do. Of course uh, you anything do. Anything you can do, I can do better. Okay. Um, so my theory actually comes from Reddit. Where else? Um, by a user named EpiPen. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, not sponsored by EpiPen. Now, it's spelled E-P-P-Y-P-E-N. So not like the medical thing, but pretty much. Um, <laughs> so... I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read it verbatim. And uh, you tell me. So it says, I've scoured the internet and could not find any trace of this theory online. I've watched Stand By Me at least a hundred times. So he's a fan. Or she's a fan. We don't know. Since my early childhood. Effie's a fan. And on a recent rewatch, I noticed something in the film that gave me an answer to a question I've always wondered. Why does Gordy Lachance take aim? Lachance. Yeah. Well, I, I went French with it. Take aim on ace. And furthermore, when Ace asks Gordy, what are you going to do, shoot us all? Why does Gordy respond, no Ace, just you? So, per, um, for those of you who have not seen Stand By Me, fantastic movie. It's I think I know what you're going to say about this theory, and I'm already into it. Um, fantastic movie. Uh, it is a coming-of-age movie. It tells the story of a certain age where your friendships mean everything, where you are your kid, your... Coming up to high school, it's those preteen years it's where right friendship before, is everything. It's right before your friendship either grows stronger and you stay in each other's lives forever, or you just go your separate ways. Yeah, but your friendships seem to mean absolutely everything to yeah. you at that age. You, they're your ride or die. It's also said in the 50s, um, parents are a little... Yeah, 50s. 50s, 60s, yeah. I think it's 50s. Um, parents are a little... I thought it was the 60s. A wee bit lackadaisical in that age, um... And, and I will build upon that with the main character as and well. And they also lack the ability to show emotion there's, as seen in the movie. There's four main characters. Um, you, we have Will Wheaton. Gordy. Who plays Gordy. You, do you know the names of each one of them? Literally two of them just left my brain. <laughs> River Phoenix. Chris Chambers. Yep. Who is possibly his greatest friend. He has never been hotter than when he plays Chris Chambers. River <laughs> Phoenix was a god as Chris as Chambers. A child. He's never been hotter than when he was illegal. Um, <laughs> then there's Jerry O'Connell, um, when he's like, a, oh my god, he's got all this the baby was before, fats. This was before my secret identity. Like, He's got all of his baby fat. Oh my god. Unrecognizable in my opinion. I remember when you told me it was Jerry O'Connell, I was like, you're lying to me. Yeah. Keep in mind, I was eight, so I really did think she was lying. Like, I wasn't being a dick. I and, really didn't uh, know. And Corey Feldman. Feldman. Who, um, this is, in my opinion, his best film. Corey Feldman's by far. Because um, he's got so many layers in it. Yeah. And and each of the characters is dealing with their own shit in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and then they, they hear this news that there is a body that has been gone missing basically there someone's gone missing and there's which, a body which leads us to the fact the that the actual novella that it's based on is called the body yeah that stephen king wrote yeah and um, they and it sets them on a journey and the kids decide it, it's it's should sound more sinister than it is but they just decide to kind of take a, a camping trip together to go find looking the body for the body or the person so they can get the reward yeah that's what it's all about for them um but they don't look at it in the terms of that however it is very important to understand that 
Will Wheaton is the main character and he has the capacity to weave an excellent story. He's very smart. He has some intellect behind him, but his parents have completely disregarded him because their eldest son, John played Cusack, by John Cusack, I'd argue it's one of his best roles. Has, and he's in it for like five minutes. Has died. And he's so good as his older brother in it. I love okay. him so much as his older brother. Now, and, and there is a character named Ace who and is also looking for the body. Ace, and he would have been the brother's age. Ace is played by Kiefer Sutherland. And uh, back when he was in his villain days, like we did Lost Boys. <laughs> pre 24. This, this very is, much this pre 24. This is very, you know, evil. 80s Kiefer era. Sutherland. 80s era. You know, blonde hair. Looks like he's got some stubble. And he's, he's also a, could he's kill a you. total hoodlum. Okay, so now let's return to the theory. So, as you were saying, EpiPen. Um, from my perspective, it has always seemed as if Gordy had a personal vendetta against Ace. Beyond the bullying and threats Ace makes upon Gordy and his friends. So, what is this personal vendetta? Ace killed Gordy's older brother, Denny. I knew you were going to say Here is my evidence, and it might seem thin, but there, there is just the perfect amount of clues to lead any viewer with a keen eye to this conclusion. This person could have no evidence, and I'm down for this. <laughs> in the beginning of the film, we learn that Denny was killed in a car accident. There's no further explanation here when, how, or where. Here is the exact line. In April, my older brother Dennis had been killed in a Jeep accident. Four months had passed, but my parents still hadn't been able to put the pieces back together again. Later in the film, with Ace's gang, two of the most memorable and significant scenes are when they're playing baseball with the ma mailboxes and playing chicken on the road. Ace completely runs a truck holding lumber off of the road and cuts off the driver he was racing. And the logs go everywhere. And the logs go everywhere. My theory here is that Denny got into a similar situation with Ace. Ace ran Denny off of the road, which is the cause of the so-called Jeep accident. But his family does not know that that's what happened. And I think Gordy either found this out somehow through small town rumors or just simply knows instinctually, just as us as the viewers might assume from watching the same scenes, that Ace played a significant role in Denny's death. I'm living for this. For me, this revelation changes the meaning of the confrontation scene between Gordy and his friends and Ace's gang. This is at the end of the movie. Because now not only is Gordy standing up for himself and his friends, but he's standing up to the guy that killed his brother, redeeming his brother's death by threatening to kill Ace. There's even, and it's important to point out that John Cusack was a good brother to he him was. as well. He was, he was a freaking awesome brother. And he turned around and made him feel good about being smart and not being all athletic yeah. like he was. Like he was supposed to go play varsity Which, baseball he, he or something. He now lacks that in his life as Ugh. a result. He, the loss parents, is more the than mom, just The mom acts like she's a shell of herself. Like she's, she's not even present anymore. And the dad looks at him with such like hatred because he's not his brother. Like dude, get over yourself. You've got a second kid. So, now that you've completely disregarded the loss of their child, uh, there's even a little exchange of dialogue between Ace and Gordy before Gordy even cocks the gun that hints back to this theory. Gordy says, I'll kill you, I swear to God. Ace says, come on, LaChance, give me the gun. You LaChance, stop La saying LaChance, it's LaChance. Give me the gun. You must have at least some of your brother's good sense, which proves that Ace knew Denny. Mm-hmm. And that's the theory. Um... Some people just disagreed because they just, they saw the movie and they took it at face value. Um, that is face value. That is one of the best theories I've heard. Some of the other commenters were like, that's one of the better theories I've seen on here. Nice work. Yeah. What do you think? Go EpiPen. Yeah. And the, I think the greatest thing about this theory is that it doesn't take anything. A lot of fan theories take something away from a film. This adds a new layer Forget that shit. And most fan theories, most fan theories the rely on pure coincidence 
and like them reading really into shit. Yeah. You don't have to read into sweet dick all. You take some dialogue, you put that up on that board and you say, he killed his brother. Boom. I'm down for it. I love this idea. I'm on. I agree. Ace is a murderer. Down okay. for that. Down right. for that. And on that note, we're going to talk about our third and the Can I just say the final. one thing I wanted to mention? About Stand By Me? Yeah. Oh, okay. There, I love Stand By Me. As you know, it's one of my uh, favorite things that uh, Stephen King created. I have one issue with it. And I know you probably won't have an issue with it, just because you can appreciate it probably more than I can. Okay. I don't like the lard-ass story. Oh. <laughs> I find that it's like ten minutes of wasted time in the movie. Because he's just... he They're sitting around a campfire... And it's, I know they're going on a journey together. Like we're not going to tell you this. This right here, just the fact that we said I don't like the lard ass story, and we're giving you no context other than that. You now, if you haven't seen this movie, you are compelled to watch Stand by Me to go. What the fuck is the lard ass story? Yeah. And when do I find out? But yeah, I found it to be it's like ten the minutes one, long. You'll get. You'll. I found it to be it. like the one blah moment in the whole thing because I know that it has authenticity the, for me. I know that the story has a message and that it's supposed to be, of course, like these little preteen guys are going to tell some stupid it's ass story like bullying. this. I yeah, which I do appreciate because you can see that they're clearly picked on for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. But the thing that bothers me about it is that I I told you I have an issue when I feel like something feels juvenile. And it feels juvenile to me to have coming this... Coming of age movie. Like, it, no, that's not what I mean. You can have a coming of age story and it can be witty and intelligent and well written. And it is. Stand By Me is. Don't get me wrong. But they, the ten minutes where he tells them this campfire story of this guy, you know, <sighs> being in a pie eating contest. It's just, it, it feels like it wasted my time. Like, he could have just told them this story without having the visual... Because you know they're seeing the visual. And at the end of it all, they like, they like, what's it called? Bacaw? When they, when you laugh? Kerfaw? What is it? Guffaw? Guffaw. That's the one. What is a bacaw? <laughs> I'm having a problem. I'm helping you and you're still like hitting me like, like, bully. Did you learn nothing <laughs> it was, it was from a Stand love By tap. Me? It was a love tap. Oh my god. Um, but yeah. Uh, the, the <laughs> fact that they guffaw after... Um, I think it's just, it just, and they're like howling with laughter. the immaturity of of teenage, pre-teen boys. Yeah. And it bothers them. That adds authenticity Because they're dealing with such mature things, and they can handle that maturely, but this stupid fucking story. That's critical to understanding. Yeah, but this stupid, but this stupid story, like they're handling stuff in life with great maturity, but then this story, they act really immature. That's the point. I don't like it. They're kids dealing with things that kids aren't supposed to have to deal with. Yeah, but the fact that they can handle that with such a mature attitude, why can't they handle the story with that? Like, Gordy, come up with a better story, man. Oh. I, okay. Because they're preteen boys. Because I know. they're preteen boys is the answer. I shouldn't expect so much from preteen boys. I think that's what the real lesson Yeah. Is. My goodness. <laughs> don't you work with kids on a daily basis? Like, don't you know better? Yeah, but like, you know what? That is a fair point. The <laughs> amount of times I've spoken to little girls in the class who roll their eyes at like six year old boys next to them, I find it to be so funny. Yeah, and guess what they grow up to be? 30 year old women who are rolling their <laughs> eyes at their husband. Nothing has changed. <laughs> Okay, so the third and final thing, the twist the sister but yeah, this So we've week. established that is like 100% true. That theory is legit. Yes, stand by me. Are, are you going backwards in time? <laughs> can, I, can I fucking speak? <laughs> Let's move on. Third and final. We're ending off Stephen King Fortnite <laughs> with 
the movie that Stephen King hates. He he does I hate not it too, like, bro. he doesn't like the source material. I hate it too, bro. And that movie is The Shining. Get a lot written today? Yes. Hey, weather forecast said it's gonna snow tonight. What do you want me to do about it? Oh, come on, hun. Don't be so grouchy. I'm not being grouchy. I just want to finish my work. Okay, I understand. I'll come back later on with a couple of sandwiches for you, and maybe you'll let me read something then. Wendy, <clears throat> let me explain something to you. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. And it will then take me time to get back to where I was. Understand? Yeah. All right. Now we're going to make a new rule. Whenever I'm in here, you hear me typing. Whether you don't hear me typing, whether the fuck you hear me doing in here, when I'm in here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in. How do you think you can handle that? Yeah. Fine. Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here? All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Okay, also makes him annoying, too. Nobody talks like that. Like No, but like, like you don't. <laughs> but you know okay okay so i'm in a bit of a tricky pickle because i am not a huge fan of this however i am turning to my good friend the internet to provide me with some reasons why this is and, and the thing is i know that it's for some people one of their favorite films like they love it's like this when people movie. say their favorite film citizen kane they're clearly bullshitting they just want to seem intellectual. You have it's to like understand when people say Hereditary was an amazing horror movie. No, it's not. There are Kubrick fans that love Stanley Kubrick movies. Can, can I point out, that's actually one of the reasons I hate this movie. Because you don't like Stan, Stanley, Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick, he had to have been like a psychological tyrant for Shelley Duvall to come out after this and say that she lost her goddamn hair because he had her under so much stress when filming it. Like, what the freak is that? Jack Nicholson was balding already, so he doesn't know if it's him or if it's the director. <laughs> but Shelley Duvall knew. She came in here with that a full head of hair. the funniest joke you've ever made. We don't know about Jack Nicholson because he was already balding. But that's like, funny. But the fact that she was oh, like, my God. hair was coming out of my head. That's how stressed out I was. He's a psychological and emotional tyrant for that. What? How can you do that? Like, you're supposed okay. to have a safe work environment to get the most out, the most out of your actors. And on that note, like, let me try to me. convince you why it's a good film. Oh. Okay, so... Okay, I'm using the internet very heavily right now, especially a Screen Rant article that I is... have a question. Yeah. Before you use the internet, do you want me to tell you my issues so you can come in No, because I got lots of issues with this film myself. So this is going to be interesting for the both of us. I think this is okay. a twist the sister in that I'm providing the research... But I'm trying to convince myself just as much as I'm trying to convince you. So let, let's see if I, I can... I, I feel there's, I'm more there's parts of it that I like, flexible. so I don't know if you want to use that. Okay, go ahead. What do you like? Uh, the, the twin girls, I think, are, like, super iconic. 
the like evil creepy little girls in the hallway all right the elevator doors with like the blood coming in people use that meme for periods all the time now and that okay. shit cracks so me up the mary kate and ashley olsen defense um move on red rum i think is the cutest creepiest thing that like is ever supposed to exist like it's supposed to be creepy that he's That's going red the reason rum, why red i rum. know this is because mom before you were born red used rum? to say to me out of fucking nowhere. I have no idea of the context of her saying this. Where she would just like come up to you red with like rum. a teeny finger and go red rum, red rum. And it's murder backwards. <laughs> Why she said this to me, I don't know. Because this movie didn't like come out fresh when I was born. I don't know what the hell was going on in her head. But I still think it's like the, the funniest and also cutest, creepiest thing you're supposed to hear. Like it's supposed to be creepy that he's going red rum, red rum. Okay. What else did you like? I thought it was adorable. Let's move on. Um, I like the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, but I already used that. Um, You like that he uses a typewriter. I think that's it. I didn't even mention the typewriter. You're super old school. I do. I want a typewriter for myself. I do. I guarantee you right now, if you had a typewriter, you would hate it for so many reasons. I, I think you think it's like type, it's cutesy and old-fashioned, but it's essentially typing on a computer. It's not the same. I'm telling you, your fingers will be so sore. You have to really press on it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So, internet, help me now. Because um, I have two issues with it. I'm going to see if you can convince me otherwise. So, one of, one of the things I found here, and let me give credit as well to the author. Um, ben Sherlock published this in April 19th, 2019. Ten Reasons Why The Shining Is The Greatest Horror Movie Ever Made. Which, and he was paid heavily to yeah, write this. Uh, not just Stephen King, but just just in greatest horror movie. Okay, so that by itself, that it's defined, very it's defined nicely. as a horror movie, right there, point point for Daisy. So you're telling me because it's a horror movie I should like it? I'm not done. Okay. <laughs> let, let, let me put my whole defense oh, okay. together. I'm not prepared. <laughs> um, so this movie hmm. uses a combination of fictional horror and real horror. So... Excuse me, I got hiccups. Um, scary things in movies are typically split into... I'm, I'm kind of reading verbatim here. It's split into two character, char, categories. Uh, fictional, like werewolves and zombies. And real, like death and violence. And The Shining kind of uses both. Where the fictional horrors, like the supernatural pre- presence in the Overlook Hotel where they're staying. Um, you use that to explore real horrors like murder, child abuse, um and all of the real world horrors are kind of hidden in subtext. So you have like conflicting stories. Um, you have sensual scenes appear as they would in a child's mind, which is history of even further mistreatment, allegedly. I, yeah, I, I feel like that's a bit of a stretch. There's like a lot of hidden meanings and symbolism, which creates a layered story. Um, so you think I should like it because it's layered? I'm not done. Let's just keep it going. Um, There's no fat on its bones. Okay, I already have a problem with this theory, but okay, because I feel like The Shining is a long-ass movie, although it probably isn't as long as... That's one of my issues. Um, (laughs) Every scene needs to be in The Shining. Okay. You're losing me. They got paid so much money for this. (laughs) Okay, it's not a slim movie with a running time of around two and a half hours, but not a second is wasted... By Kubrick's unscrupulous filmmaking. I have a feeling this guy likes Kubrick. Do you know how long as that great, kid is riding that tricycle before he even finds the girls? Yeah, that's a good point. It feels like forever. But I guess that builds suspense as No, well. I'm not. I'm, I'm waiting for him to go um, down some stairs because it seems like he's been on the same floor forever. 
Okay, let's, let's skip this point because I feel like it's not going where we want it to. Beautiful visual style. Most horror directors do not take their movie's color palette or framing or the sequencing of shots into consideration. Um, however, there is some haunting imagery in this, like the elevator doors letting out a tidal wave of blood. I and love it's that. Considered iconographic. Yes. It's amazing. So, so you love that cinematography. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's the result is that The Shining is not just a horror movie in the way that most people look at horror movies as, you know, inconsequential. It is a real movie that is a horror movie taken seriously. Uh, as soon as a filmmaker rests on the crutch of horror cinema's lower expectations, a movie will fail. Kubrick, however, designed and planned The Shining like he would any other movie, despite being considered a horror work, and the result is masterwork. I'll give it that. No. I'll because give it that, he, that he, he didn't treat he, it like any because other Because he film. doesn't treat it like it's any other horror movie. That's what makes it boring as shit. You can't tell if this movie's going to be a drama based on the first hour. It's the second half okay, of this I gotta movie. Okay, i got to show you a picture. That makes you kind of... I know, when he's frozen to death, it's when, the best when Jack Nicholson's Jack, ever looked. I, I think it's... No, that's not nice. I think it's absolutely hilarious because it's supposed to be No, creepy. I mean, like, his acting. It's supposed to be scary. But when Jack Nicholson freezes to death, or does it... Not to I don't death, mean him physically. I mean, his acting. He's he freezing, looks amazing. He's freezing in the snow. Yeah. And for some reason, I find it hilarious. It's comedic. And it's scary all at once. And I don't think it's supposed to be this funny, but I think it's so funny. Okay, so horror movies... It's like like, it, that could be like a brain freeze meme, you know? Like, okay. that looks um, really good. Um, anyway, so let's just touch on the other two things that I really had a problem with. I found that the creepy old lady that was naked in it really gave me the heebie-jeebies. Like, really gave me the heebie-jeebies. Um, Did it give you the heebie-jeebies? Yeah, because he's seeing, like, isn't he seeing, like, a hot woman? And she's really just old and creepy? And it freaks me out. Because, like, no offense to the woman playing the creepy old lady. I don't want to see that in a horror movie. I don't even care that he's, like, being possessed by the place. It freaks me out. Why are you showing me an old woman? Like, it's like when they do that in American Horror Story. It's a weird. question for you. Did you like the movie Alien? The first Alien yes. movie. I like Alien. I like Aliens. Why did you like the first Alien movie? Because Alien reminds me of The Thing, and I love The Thing. Okay. Why do you like The Thing? The Thing, they're stuck in a freezing cold friggin' area, you and... You like them being isolated? Yes. In a cold area? Yeah. Okay. And I like that it's like an ensemble, and you, you don't really know what the issue is going to be. But that being said, it's, like, constant, the action. Like, as soon as, like, you're, like, 10 or 15 minutes into that movie, and shit's going down. Like, you know that half these people or all these people are going to be dead by the end of it, because none of them are communicating. They're all going their separate ways. Are we talking it's about over. Alien, or are we talking about The Thing? We're the talking thing. about The Thing. Okay. The Thing. Why, why do you like Alien? Because it's basically the same movie. Uh... It's the same movie, except they're in space. Uh... <laughs> um, well, first of all, like, Alien came first. Doesn't matter. Um, it's the same movie. Doesn't matter. Because you space. saw it second. Um, <laughs> one's in space. One's in Antarctica. That's it. Here's here's my. It, they're no, basically they're, they're the, the same. North Pole. They're not at the. Doesn't matter. Winter. They're basically. Doesn't matter. It's basically matter. the same story. Okay, I disagree. You just said that. Okay, so just based on that premise, the pacing of the thing is very, 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 very quick. You said. It, that's I why don't it's agree good. with that, but but I'll, I'll take you at that. That's the why it's alien good. is slowly paced extremely slowly yeah, but paced you're, to you, build tension you stay in alien 
because it's that same like creepy monster they're stuck in space these people are screwed like you know bad shit's gonna happen and you know it's gonna be because this creature is gonna take over but that being said i do prefer creature movies and slasher movies over ones where it's like a possession anyway because what is that shit i don't need the exorcist so we're talking about the shining then the shining is yeah, the shining the same way no, as Alien. Okay, you can pace it the same Very if you want. Slowly. It's boring as shit. I think your issue is not just that it's paced slowly, but that it's also long as well. It's a possession as well. I, f I find possession movies to be a bit no, silly anyway. No, it's the Shining. It's the Shining. It's Charles, it, not... it's a possession. You know it's a possession. Shine, no, it's like it's the place not. makes him crazy. Like, we're at a high altitude, so my brain's gonna go all... Blah, blah, blah. Um... But it, 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 none, of, none of the other people okay. were affected. Women so and children, fine. Okay, this is something for you. Meticulous attention to detail as well. Nothing in Stanley Kubrick's shots was there that he didn't want to be there. Every small detail in the set design, the costumes, the actors' facial expressions, the camera movements, it was all very carefully planned out across reams of notes to achieve a very singular vision, Kubrick's vision, for each of his films. And The Shining may be a horror movie, but it's no different. Kubrick gave every cut the same care and thought that he and thought that he did for 2001 Space Odyssey, Barry Lyndon, etc, etc. There's a lot to unpack in the movie, essentially, which makes it endlessly rewatchable. So rewatchability is what uh, is being noted here. I can um, tell you, with absolute 100% honesty, I bought The Shining as a special edition Blu-ray because I heard it was so amazing. I watched that I shit once. Told you I watched that shit once, huh? I, I tried Waste it of my you. money. Okay, I'm having a multi of my money. Because I'm getting further away from, from swaying you as we go. It has influenced many of today's great horror filmmakers. That's undeniable. Everybody alludes to it one way or another. I mean, even in The Simpsons. We talked about The Simpsons a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They, they make reference to it. God, I can't believe that was Do a you think Jack ago. Nicholson performed well? Was Did he dance at like a monkey should dance? Um, yeah, that's the real question here. I feel like they didn't give him the best bananas at the start <laughs> of the movie, but I do feel like the as soon as he, I, I feel like they gave him really good plantains when he started really going to town with the typewriter and just rewriting, yeah. you know, all work, no play makes, but Jack of Dull Boy. And then later, the fact that he improvised the Here's Johnny means that clearly he was going through some sort of psychological shit too. I'm shocked Kubrick. that Kubrick would allow any improvisation. That's the more shocking thing. Well, he was he too busy. Not... He was too busy uh, being a tyrant to Shelley Duvall to even what notice. What about the eight-year-old? What about Danny Lloyd? Like, how? what was his She was protecting like? him, clearly. She pushed him out the window in the snow. Okay. Anyway, Jack, uh, Jack Nicholson plays Jack Torrance. Just FYI for anyone who doesn't know what The Shining is. Um, there's Consider a slow, yourself lucky. Run. There's a slow descent into madness. Do not him. walk. Run. That really sells You know what film. I do appreciate? This is going to be completely off topic. The people who did the set design of the, like, bar dining area, that reddish, bar, like, room with the bar, and even the the toilet scene, the, mm -hmm. the toilets that were, they, it seems very off-brand for the rest of the, the hotel, I'd say, are freaking sexy. Like, I'd go to this bar, and I would go to this the bathroom. The Overlook Hotel? You want to go to the Overlook Hotel? I'd go to the bar area, and I'd go to that bathroom, because that looks, like, sleek and cool. Okay. The rest of this place looks really dated. So The Shining... But it, not... it had just the right, like, old Hollywood feel. I'm, I'm hoping to hit something. Let me keep going here. The Shining isn't just open to interpretation. It is way, way open to interpretation. It is so open to interpretation that after all this interpret interpreting, we still don't know what this movie is about. 
It's been almost 40 years since The Shining was released, and in that time, countless essays and books have been written about it with the intent of deciphering the meaning, and we still haven't fully figured out what it all means. That keeps us on edge while we watch it over and over again because we still can't ease into it and because we're still discovering things we didn't spot the first hundred times. I am on the fence about that. I like a richly layered film. I it ain't layered. But I do not like leaving a film saying, what the fuck just happened? And I feel like that's why I don't like The Shining. But I like a richly layered film. So what I've come to the conclusion is, is I'm too dumb to understand The Shining. No, I think this person was paid a load of money to come up with reasons, Chelsea. Do you like the ambiguous ending? How would you say it's ambiguous? He's We're, dead in the snow. No, no. Oh, Jack you talked about him the being photo. in the photo? Yeah. That just makes it seem like it's all a dream. Like, that just seems stupid. Or like he was reincarnated as Has he Jack. always been at the Overlook Hotel? What, and he's hallucinated everything? Like Was he sucked back in time after he died? Did the whole thing take place in Wendy's head or Danny's head? It, it's it, very confusing. It's like they want you to make fan theories, but no one really cares to. Like, this is the fan theoryist of, of films, and yet that's not our fan theory. I'm trying to, to twist you. There's yeah. Um, it just it, it. You know what my issue is? It feels forced. Like you know what I mean? Like when you watch a I movie, think, and I it could easily just be a twist it could easily, sister success. It could easily for you. For because me? yeah, because you have. I made me, you hate it more. You made me hate it even more. Than I think I, I think before. I did my job. <laughs> High five. Good job. Um, because the movie... Steven, we are very loyal. This is what, what I've gotten out of this, is that we are super, super loyal to you. And if yeah. you say this that, ain't for you, we say, if damn, you say my book, If you say my book was a piece of shit, and, and they make it a movie, you go, this movie's a piece of shit, we are gonna back you. Yeah. We're just like, shit, shit, Stanley. We Sorry. Agree. Um, but yeah, uh... That my my biggest issue and the reason I have such a problem with The Shining is you don't have to sway me. I'm, is, I'm on board. It really is the pacing for me because I feel like literally I could really enjoy The Shining if they didn't waste an hour of my time. That first hour of it, I know you're supposed to be building suspense in that time, and I suppose that's what they're trying to do by not making it fast paced. Are you telling me as you continue to to tell me on and on and on about why you don't like The Shining that you have an issue with people going on and on and on? I'm trying to get to, like, the point here. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what Stanley was trying to I do. It took him two and a half, half hours to do the it. The second half of The Shining is actually a very exciting <sighs> movie. If you, what, if you, like, literally, let's cut the movie in half. You said it's a two and a half hour movie. If you go in an hour and 15 minutes, you will have got the same out of this movie as anyone who's watched that first hour and 15. Nothing crazy happens until you're in that second half anyway. You don't really have the kids seeing crazy shit. You don't have Shelley Duvall being like, well, shit, my husband, crazy. I don't know if you're right or wrong, because I, I think I am like It feels like it goes on forever. Where I've, I may have seen this movie twice at the most. One more than me, then. <laughs> okay. But it just, it feels, oh, it God. feels dragged out. Much okay. like our conversation about Much it. Much like this podcast about The Shining. Yeah, yes. It just, it so feels for forced, all those it feels who dragged. Like the Shining, I am so sorry, but I've actually gone to the dark side i guess it's not the dark side the opposite the, we the, went to the light bright side yeah the, where, where there is no shining the shinier side yeah um it's shiny yeah and uh yeah so that is how we're going to very, oh very like quick morosely and quick question Stephen King's. have you seen dr sleep no i haven't i haven't either maybe that would give us some more insight to the shining and if 
it wasn't, if, if Dr. Sleep, I don't even know how long it is, if it's not two and a half hours, I may actually watch it. Just okay. because I have more you, faith now. You want some answers. Yeah. Like, that whole thing about it having an ambiguous ending with him being in the photo, maybe I get some answers. Oh. Because, uh, isn't Ewan McGregor supposed to be the little boy Danny? All grown up. Well, Detective so, Daisy is on the case. You, I, you can I look, report back to me next time. You, I look forward to eventually you watching that. it you, in you five years when I finally have the gumption to do it. <laughs> and and I'll let you know. All right. Um, but, yeah. Hope you enjoyed our podcast this week. Yeah. And what we've established is The Shining, while we discuss it, is equally as drawn out as us discussing it. Um, Stand By Me is amazing. Amazing soundtrack, amazing cast. And Green Violence Magic. And Kiefer Sutherland killed John Cusack. That should be, like, the on a banner somewhere, because that is exactly what happened in Stand By Me. And, yeah, and The Green Mile is awesome. Green Sam Rockwell Forever. Magic. magic. Yes. It is magic. It's magic. Okay, talk to you all again next week. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.